Hello everyone and welcome to This Nintendo Life episode 265. My name is NBZ. And but you know sometimes you get to that point with the beard, right? Now I don't have a beard really. I have hair on my face that you could say <laughs> is a beard and like you could like classify it as that. It's really just hair that mainly goes down my neck uh, and doesn't like it's the a, side of my beard. face. It's a neck beard. I am literally, I'm one of those red neck beards who lives in the US. I even talk with an American uh, cadence most of the time. Bali tells me off all the time. He messaged me like twice I call this out week. Americanisms. He does. He's like, you, you know that thing you said is like America. You, you and my sister, both like the fucking devils and angels on my shoulder being like, you motherfucker. Except you're both devils. You're like, you stupid piece of shit. Stop using Americanisms. <laughs> Every When I was in Mexico with my sister, I kept using the word neat. And she was like, shut up. Stop saying that word. And I was like, I... <laughs> I don't, I don't realize that that was like an Americanism, but she got really fucking annoyed. I just kept saying it accidentally because it's just part of my vocabulary. I was like, oh, yeah. neat. And she's like, why are you never saying neat? That's an American word. You're not American. I'm like, well, this is just this is what happens to my vocabulary. The, the, t- um, the two I called out on WhatsApp uh-huh. yesterday were, first of all, using real instead of really. So you yes, said, well, oh, that's real good. I, I say that all the that's time. Real yeah. good. Yeah, it's like, yeah. In the UK, we say, that's really good. Yeah. It's always a really, not a real. And then yeah. the second one was, you were saying how stoked you were for Prince of Persia. Yeah. And I was saying, like, stoked, that is such it's a American very Americanism, like, yeah. We'd say, like, I'd be, I'd be like, I'm, I'm hyped up, I'm excited, mm-hmm. I'm looking yeah. forward to, but, like, stoked is very, like, I said this to Caroline, and she was like, it's very kind of noughts. So I was like, yeah, it's very, like, Blink-182 kind of. It like, kind of is. So it has that vibe stoked. to it. Yeah. 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 Fucking stoked, man. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it is just, like, my... I have been corrupted by, like, media for years as well as just talking to americans on the internet which i don't do as much of these days but that i think that critical period in my life when i was like evolving as a person was yeah. i was talking to talk a lot to of way more than americans but for some reason yeah like... i don't know i just spent a lot of time with i, th- I think it's also it's again podcast. listening podcast has podcast. really done it to me also um there's definitely turns of phrase that i take from podcasts because people say them all the time um so that definitely uh, affects it anyway i was talking about my beard uh which um i i just get to that point where i'm like there's that awkward part of like if you do it too early then it just it feels like it's a waste but if you do it too late then it becomes a pain in the ass and now i'm someone who uses a manual shaver really i'm not a automatic guy i just really don't like them they hurt me they're annoying you only wet wet shave Uh uh-huh yeah i only do hot water with a regular uh, manual shaver with uh cream but it has it can't be like it has to be um foam really it has to be like a foamy cream basically um and that is the only way i do it but then that's the thing is like the way i get hair out of it's like you tap it on the side of the sink to get it out and then you're like the head falls off and you have to get it back in um but here's the thing i also am a cheapskate so i try and make these blades last as long as possible so i then i eventually get to that point where i'm like my thing has been my beard is too long and i have a almost dead razor and that's where i'm like okay this is fucked up. I need to change this one. You know, it always... It's like, my HP is low. I'm out yeah. of mana. Like, I need <laughs> is... to sort this out. Honestly, legit. Like, it probably says a lot about my personality because that is what I'm like in JRPGs as well. <laughs> it's like, I will wait to the last possible moment. It's like, I don't want to waste all my stuff, my re- renewable resources, right? And I'm like, I've only got three blades left. Then I'm going to have to go back to Superdrug and spend, like, an extortionate amount. Like, again, extortionate amount being, like, 12 quid. But I'm like, this is... I, I try and make, like, a pack of six last me for at least a year because that's just you know that's going to do me well so 
anyway uh but i'm sure you don't deal with this because you probably just use an electric razor see my my wet razors like i will wet shave when i have to i i've not shaved my beard off fully in a long 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 that's long true time. yeah you just um, keep it but so that means i trim my beard and trimming your beard is just really like therapeutic i only do it like mm. i only have to do it like once every three weeks two oh, and a wow, half weeks that's pretty good um, yeah i just i just trim it short and then i let it get bushy and then i trim it short again and it doesn't look the neatest when it's at its longest but it's, it's comfortable mm. and yeah when it gets too long but yeah if i just wet because i went through a phase at uni of wet shaving every day and it it does it does take a toll like on your skin and just it does the irritation yeah. so so how frequently do you wet shave uh i would say like if i'm on top of things once a week if i'm not once a week. that day before you go into the office right you're just like yeah probably yeah it's usually like a sunday night i'm like shit it's getting too long um but yeah usually once every two weeks so i feel like i'm at that two week point now so i'm probably gonna this weekend have to do it but right. it, it's always nice because i'm always like oh i've got some podcasts to listen to let's just again therapy like you said I, I find a lot of these tasks like i like cooking and i like doing like tasks in the house or whatever because i always have a podcast and there's always there's always a reason to do something that i don't necessarily want to do because mm. i actually do like like i like hoovering the problem with hoovering for me is it's so loud that it's sometimes hard to hear podcasts when you're hoovering you know um but you need you know, some better headphones though, anything or, yeah. anything well you know i've got good headphones but it's just the, the you don't use your headphones you use your speaker that you carry around like a boombox i do i do that's true no i but i do have airpods so i do use airpods so okay um that that's okay but this comes you back don't all like the, way... the squidgy in-ear ones no like, i fucking the hate entire those. industry has moved yeah. towards yeah I, I, I really like god see this is my problem with the entire industry like i use manual shavers that i can't buy anymore <laughs> i use regular headphones that no one sells anymore like i just i'm i look in some ways bali i like to be ahead with the kids you know i have a tiktok account you know i'm oh, looking at you. trends i'm i'm there i'm i don't want to be left behind like all the old grandpas right but with some things i am just stuck in the past and uh and those are a few of those things so um so what happens sometimes um it does. but uh it does. anyway we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about nintendo and video games wow what a concept um bali uh what are we going to be talking about today on today's show for the first segment, we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing. And then for the second segment, we've got a couple of emails that uh, the fine folks that listen to the show sent in. And no, we're, indeed. All, we're also going to wrap up the show with our official game trade games for 2024. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what that is, myself and MBZ, we give each other a game that we have not played yet. I think it has to be on the Nintendo platform as well. Game that we have not i think it it does because i have so many not nintendo platform games i'm like oh i really want to give Bally that but i can't because it's not on Switch, we might bend so. the rules at some point but probably not do, this yeah. year but yeah. um so i give mz a game he gives me a game that we have not played yet and we have to play that by the end of the year mm-hmm. um we'll get to that at the end of the show yeah so uh, stay tuned for some excitement uh but Bally, let's talk about the games we've been playing um and i've had a bit of a nice jump kickstart to 2024 i was like beating um, a ton of short games to get your numbers yeah, up and exactly look good so <laughs> we had this conversation and you, <laughs> it's very this, particular this entire thing basically right where i'm like i have i'm very pernickety about like 
making sure that my lists are looking nice and so on it's, it's gone app, way beyond that point oh it's the way it's well taken over the gameplay not the it, gameplay taken honestly over the list. i play games for the list more than playing the games oh at this God. point right i just i don't care about video games anymore <laughs> i'm here for the list uh, so so basically what i do is like this list on gg right you can have these thumbnails on there and what it shows you for your list the, the first five that are going to be uh, basically in the list so the first five games i play are important because if they don't have the nice colors and stuff last year i fucked up basically last year i had a terrible color scheme you did as well frankly yours last year is pretty bland <laughs> so i was looking at that list i'm like this looks really not great i want to have some spice and so i was like let's play some games that are short that have really nice covers to them really and that's what i'm gonna do um, that wasn't the main reason because i wanted to play these games anyway but um it, it's a nice bonus right and it's a nice uh, so long gray games a band yeah yeah exactly anything Last monotone oh god that would be out it's so, it, it is though. it is very funny though because if you do go and i think we talked about this before if you do go to our tnl list which you can find is pinned on the discord of every list we've ever done on the show which is our goatee to goatee list as well as our joint game of the year list you you notice you look at bally's list it goes from bright and colorful <laughs> to this all of a sudden he buys a ps4 and it's like gray yes. brown brown gray green my goatee to goatee list of 20 18 or maybe 19 i think 2019 so gray and it's brown like, yeah it's like what happened to you Bally? what happened? exactly you just became uh one of those gray boys who just like lived in the 360 era and all you did was live in the mud and play call of duty basically <laughs> yeah. so um so yeah uh anyway so uh what i wanted to do was play a bunch of because basically at the end of last year i put like a fucking lot of hours into octopath 2 uh i played uh metro prime and stuff like just trying to get some big games out of the way and um i was like i need some short stuff to jump into the new year and uh i've been meaning for a while to play a game uh that has been very highly recommended by a lot of people um and is very much as i'll be honest is a bally game more so than an mm. mpz game december um, last year uh december 2022 22 yes yeah. yes exactly uh so it's a game called little gator game it's actually lil gator game it's not little spelled out it's l-i-l is the official title of the game um and it is I would call it, I said this to you, Valley, I'd call it a hike like. Hike like. Um, it is a Zelda Breath of the Wild movement wise inspired mini open world mm. game where you play as this little gator. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting because it, it does do that stuff very well, but it is very narrative focus also so the idea is that you're this little kid this gator um and you and your sister used to play in the woods uh, like you know basically dress up and you know have a little sword and do these kind of uh, make pretend you know that's what you do as kids and you go around and you just imagine things and you go and fight things and all that sort of stuff and then it kind of fast forwards the story um and it's like five years later and your sister is more grown up and you are still kind of childlike so you're still kind of running around and you're out there in the woods with her and she is on her laptop and she is just working on something she's working on a project right she's she's now got uh, responsibilities she's an adult and she's got to sort stuff out and you're like oh come on let's go play let's go do this stuff and she is ignoring you she's just tapping away at her, her laptop and just 
not interested and she's like oh that sounds fun i have to do this work now you go play by yourself um and so the entire game is basically this thing of this kid being like how do i get my sister to pay attention how do i get her to come and play with me and with all our friends and go and have this fun adventure like we used to do when i was younger um and it's a it's a really nice story i think it's told very well and there's lots of fun characters that you come across in terms of the different friends that you have and it's quirky in terms of writing it's very much a I don't know like there's a casualness to it uh there's a readability that's like it's not memey i would say but it's very much like breezy kind of reading and fun and light and comedic uh very jokey um which i think it fits it quite well and so as you kind of wander around this world and run around and explore you'll find lots of different characters and you have to do like mini quests for them to get them to join the camp so eventually you start on a you basically start on a tutorial island almost breath of the wild style and then mm. it's like now the big island and then you go off to the bigger space and start exploring that and how do you improve um, your climbability so like short yeah. heights i think you got like a feather per right mini quest and then your Mm -hmm. feather affected how high you could climb but also how far you could glide i believe yes yeah so it's interesting because there's not that much upgrading of your climbing stuff i only upgraded it once uh, in the entire game i think there's ways to upgrade it more but you basically get a second circle so like you have the stamina wheel right you get a second stamina wheel if you do it a second time but i think a lot of the challenges are built to be like you only have this one stamina wheel how how do you get up to this really high mountain so it almost becomes a bit more of a puzzle in that way of figuring out you know what kind of vantage point do i need to get over there can i jump from some other place use the glider to get over there and i the glider doesn't use stamina i believe i think it's just climbing oh, yeah, that uses wow. it. so glider doesn't so you can use that pretty freely so what's the um, incentive of doing all the quests it's it's basically like you have on the big island you have this playground and this playground is um like the idea behind it is there's no enemies in the game but you have a sword and you can hit stuff basically you are setting up like a kind of adventure uh but the adventure involves your friends going around and making cardboard cutouts of enemies so what you do is you go around and you just basically hit these cardboard cutouts of enemies and you get a resource from that so you get these kind of like um uh paper shards i guess like these little bits of paper that kind of suck into you and it is one of those things i've not really heard people talk about this part of the game really um because it's more just like it is really moment to moment what you're doing is you're walking around this world and you're just kind of hitting these guys and getting this stuff like uh collected and it's just very satisfying because the sound design on hitting them and the, the kind of crunch of the cardboard and the way at which it just like you know the little bloop, 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 uh kind of dopamine of getting all that stuff is super satisfying so <clears throat> moment to moment you're just like going around hitting stuff getting all that stuff and then you're coming across characters and you're basically recruiting them back to your base and once you have enough characters recruited to your base you can then spend that currency that you're collecting by hitting everything as well as making sure you have enough people in order to build up different areas of it so you build up a kitchen you build up like a uh you know a high dungeon area and stuff like that there's like five major areas of it and there's three major quests so there's three friends who are the kind of the ones at the beginning and each of them has their own thing they're dealing with and you go and you talk to each of them and you solve each of their problems basically so it's like it's three quests that then all split into three more quests and once you've done those they all come together and kind of get to the end of the game but um but that's kind of the incentive i'd say in terms of the mm. 
the main journey is like just exploring around finding people doing the mini quest for them focusing on those kind of main quests that you do um and then just run around hitting things and exploring nooks and crannies like just jumping up onto mountaintops like um the thing that i was <clears throat> interested in was at the beginning you have the guy who gives you the stamina wheel upgrade and you're like oh okay how do i find you again and i expected to like come across him at the base or somewhere convenient he's actually at a really high point in the game to a point that i was like i think i need more stamina to get up here but actually you can just get up there you don't need the stamina you just have mm. to figure out how to get up there it's ironic because you get to the highest point and then you get your stamina upgrade so it's like well now that i've got to the highest point do, did i need more stamina so it's, it's a little bit weird in that way um but I, I did find it very very breezy super enjoyable it's a perfect handheld game just chill breezy how, um, how big is that island uh, it's relatively sizable it's interesting as well because there's no map like a short hike as well doesn't have a map so it, yeah, it yeah. incentivizes you to kind of remember it and remember areas better to play in one not in one sitting necessarily yeah. but like in a short space of in a time. short space of time i played yeah. it over three nights it's about three hours long so i basically did one hour every day and, nice. and kind of finished it which is a really nice chill way of playing it um, very much an in-bed game for me i'd go to bed an hour early and then just play an hour and then go to sleep uh, which is a very nice thing i've been doing a lot more of that um so far this year so uh, it's a good way to kind of uh, get some games uh, under the belt um and uh, 365 yeah, I, hours right there into video yeah, games exactly exactly so i can i can really knock it out knock it out um but i i really enjoyed it i think it's just very charming um and a fun little game that is not stressful at all just has great little kind of animation quality like the way the little gator walks around he's like very bumbly and cute um and yeah the climbing is very magnetic like you just jump on a thing and he just starts climbing it's very breath of the wild in that way there's it almost feels like um it, there's friction taken out of the experience in some senses mm. but i think that it's a like there's a fun way in which you can climb and then jump and kind of still get your your speed and there's a, there's a little bit of that going on so yeah movement is great and just run around and and talking to people and yeah it's, it's just very well written and nice. nice to look at bright colorful uh just a, a good world to go and get lost in for a little bit and i um, think you prefer it to short hike i don't know i'd, I'd say it's it's probably on a par i i like them both very similarly um i'm not as big a fan of short hike as you i think i think it's really excellent i think i really enjoyed it a lot um but yeah i would i'd put both these games on a kind of similar plane for me um, i need to get to this game like yeah it really feels like something that you would be very into um i think you probably prefer a short hike at the end of the day but i think you'll get a lot out of little gator game and um yeah i think it's uh cool. it's very very fun so i would check it out it's a great it's a good it's probably the best definition of what i would call cozy right like there's mm. cozy has been applied to Big a lot word. of different games uh but i think i think cozy fits little gator game very very well uh and nice yeah i recommend people check it out the switch version is very good uh, i played the steam deck version but switch version is very good uh and yeah it's a good in bed game uh that is Sweet. enjoyable so there you go uh well i'd argue this game that i've been playing is actually quite cozy as well oh okay um, all right so we talked about 2023 was a very bally year um, yes it was we've indeed. listed the games before but it's pikmin 4 zelda tears of the kingdom uh f099 advanced War wars Groove 2 advanced wars reboot camp like the list octopath traveler 2 the mm -hmm. list goes on a mainline um, zelda which you know is for everybody but you know for everyone um and yeah i've been playing sea of stars uh so this obviously won 
loads of awards last year. I think mm-hmm. it even won Indie Game of the Year at the Game Awards. It did, yeah, which I was a little deal. bit surprised by, but yeah, it, it yeah, definitely and took it home. It is... I'm having a really good time so far. So I think I'm about seven, eight hours, eight and a half hours in. Um, mm-hmm. I know that the stuff kind of opens up in this game. I'm not quite there. I think I'm on the cusp of that. Okay. Whereabouts uh, are you right now? Where kind of like location wise and stuff like that? So I'm on a very creepy island. Ah, uh, you're in the ghost island? I'm on the ghost island. Okay, yeah. And I've, uh, I have a new member of my party. Okay, yes, yeah. Okay, um, I know so where I'm you are. Doing, I'm doing that stuff. Excellent. Um, and yeah, I think this does all the things I really love about traditional RPGs. Now, it's obviously doing things very differently to a game like, say, Octopath Traveler 2. Um, I'd call it, we were talking about this, where I think this game is a fellowship-like. So, uh-huh, yeah. where Octopath Traveler 2 is so splintered and all the characters are very separate and the vast majority of the game you are playing as individual characters i think that's the best definition of that type of game Mm -hmm. um fellowship is the complete opposite where you're spending the vast majority of the game with the same group of characters so the named after the fellowship of the ring fellowship of of the ring the Um, traditional adventuring party basically right and you know we've talked i think we've talked briefly in the past about how lord of the rings is kind of the genus of everything rpg related but we don't have to dive that deep just now but a lot of rpgs and jrpgs follow you know a party you have a group that you follow along the way those relationships build throughout the journey there's a magic guy there's a sword guy there's a short guy with an axe you know (laughs) and sea of stars is definitely in that mold and doing all the right things um i think the thing that kind of gave this game the most spotlight would be like the sprite work and the art in particular it's and it's gorgeous oh my goodness it is unreal it feels like stardew valley turned to 11 and it's kind mm. of the way that it is incredible i think it goes like way further than that right it does go a... way further it makes you realize how like outdated a lot of sprite art actually looks when you see this kind of sprite this is like on a plane with like eastward and beyond like this is even better looking than eastward i'd even argue really with. okay i like, i think eastward's detail is higher in terms of like the detail of buildings and characters and stuff like that but i think yes. there's a perspective to sea of stars with its kind of isometric angle to it yeah. where depth in the background and totally. traversal is so important in this game and i think that almost 3d element lends it kind of a different bent and like the way they use modern lighting as well right with like the day and night stuff and all yeah, the kind of casting amazing. of shadows like there was I, I don't know if you got to this moment but there's a moment where i walked past like this kind of crystal in a cavern and the way it warps the sprite as you go past it yes. is like oh my goodness yeah. wow they that really in the wind tunnel area yeah, yeah yeah they they leverage like modern lighting and kind of um just technical stuff on sprite art to just elevate it basically and, and i think this game is almost like sprite art is arguably the most important thing and what i mean by that is i these locations feel like they are designed to fit into the art style like it doesn't feel like there were all these locations designed and then they decided right what art style shall we use it feels like they actually like the crystal you 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 explain like Mm -hmm. they go for looks and things like everyone's seen the kind of the cliff edges that was i think it was part of the demo and it's in the main part of the trailer it's one of the first areas in the game and those cliffs just look so stunning on the water and the grassy plains and the the trees like this game like a grand level looks incredibly impressive but at a micro level 
it is still so well done in terms of like these locations that feel cozy and secluded and there's great kind of in design bar design like all the 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 areas where you'd see like musicians playing and you'd buy and buy drinks and things like that all these areas in the game that are, are kind of typical jrpg tropey locations i think this game absolutely nails like i've been so impressed by just all the locations uh, like the, the way that towns are designed and not everyone has anything particularly relevant to say in every single town but the the art design of those towns of those buildings i think has been top-notch so far and i especially yeah i mean we we kind of chatted about it before but like the 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 whole kind of walking around and talking to people in towns thing is a thing that i think games in the dragon quest series excel at i would say that's one of the strengths of dragon quest as a game whereas a game like octopath they again they feel like ciphers for mechanics more than anything yeah. and i would say that you know sea of stars is one weakness that we can maybe get into is i would say writing and i think that comes into play when you go into towns because npcs are very much like his one line is not that interesting and there's there's not as much character from them there's, there's exceptions of course but i think that's a little bit of a drawback of some of those towns yeah i think that for a game that is very much chrono trigger mark 2 um the yeah. writing is definitely an area that's definitely not as strong as Chrono Trigger. And mm-hmm. you think back to ways that this game definitely improves on Chrono Trigger, I think writing is definitely not one of them. Like, I agree, I think, yeah. Um, I think that if we talk about the art, I think artistically, I think this game is arguably more impressive than Chrono Trigger in many yeah, ways. Sure. Yeah, sure. And it has time on its side. Like, I think modern art designs and sprite designs and what this game is doing with all that is incredibly impressive. Um, and yeah, I, I think that people talked about the slow start of this game and i had no worries that i would absolutely love the slow start and turns out i absolutely love the slow start like, <laughs> i guaranteed valley, <laughs> valley would like a long pouring tutorial that takes seven hours yeah i feel like they teach you the same mechanics at two or three different occasions yeah yeah <laughs> they do because like, you kind of play like modern day then you do the flashback and then you mm-hmm. learn the mechanics again through the flashback and then when the flashback catches up with kind of where you're at I feel like you learned the mechanics one more time, mm-hmm. third time lucky. Um, yeah. I loved all that stuff. I think the the overarching story is really not punching for me quite yet. I think no. that... I feel like this type of game, Fellowship Likes, as it were, the one thing that I think they all do really well, whether it's Earthbound, Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger... Uh, they are so good at setting up the reason for your journey. I feel like I missed a line or something, or <laughs> yeah. I was on this journey going between campfires, going between towns before I even realized why I'm doing it. Like, what what are we doing here? And it turns out we're trying to meet these people on this island. I've completely forgotten why we're meeting them on this <laughs> island. I know it has to be a cut an eclipse, uh-huh. and I've completely forgotten why do we have to do the thing with the eclipse who who even is the big bad what is going like i completely missed the point of why we have to be trained as solstice warriors and then we go and we get our pal gal gal great Uh gal but i completely missed what are we actually doing here um and i feel like in all those other examples i gave there's just a lot more grounding in the reasons for the journey to start, which I feel is like such an open goal from a writing perspective of right. set. Like so many stories are great at setup, setup, right? Wrapping up 
um different threads is the tough part of story writing right sure but, yes, but like yeah like setting up a world and when you've got a beautiful world and so much going on and characters that i do care about as dry as some of them are i still really care about like my little pod of characters but like there's so little explanation as to why we're doing these things and there's cool things hinted at and oh is this mysterious power going to link to this and i like where that's going but it fundamentally missed an open goal on why am i actually on this mission in the the first place which i was a big flaw for me in say the first five hours um yeah i think you're close to like a midpoint of the game where some of that becomes a little more clear but you're right like i think it might have even been you know the very beginning there's like the narrator guy who's like and i'm gonna tell you of a tale And i think it may have been in there somewhere um where they kind of set up what the stakes are or the big bad but again it's just not very yeah cleanly done yeah. um and the jumping between timelines and stuff like because the academy is very much like oh there are these older solstice warriors who are going to teach you but like it almost feels it's interesting because it almost feels like a regular job right it's like we don't really have a goal but we're just going out and protecting the world from different threats solstice warriors just go out and do this thing we don't go know why do but they go like yeah and I, I feel like the threat probably doesn't appear fully until the middle of the game which is when it then has a bit more focus right and that's when yeah. the driving stuff happens but yeah you're, you're right it just i, I, I don't think again because i not that i checked out the story early but i'm like that's not really why i'm here so I, it doesn't bother me that much no. um because I, I liked everything else about the game um but yeah i will say the, the back half of the game from a spectacle story all that stuff perspective gets really cool and okay. th- there's a bunch of post-game stuff that i didn't do that i looked up on youtube that i was like oh that's even cooler so mm. um i feel like the, the the back of it eventually pays off but i think you have to do a good job from the beginning in order to make it fully work and yeah i think that's why the story generally didn't stick with me and again i, I don't think it's that rich either so i don't i don't know it's, it's yeah it's not as much it's a shame because i do think the journey is really good like i'm really yeah. enjoying meeting these new characters why are we doing this mm-hmm. how does this town link to whatever it certainly doesn't link to an overarching story as to why we're on this mission no but, like but it certainly links to the, other the, world the, all the locations are so varied and visually distinct that it's always like i always found sea of stars to be a game and i don't know if you find this at all but i could only really play a chunk of it at a time where i was oh, like I'm wow like i just i just played this one chunk and i'm like oh i need to stop now because doing all the battles back to back and just the intent not the intensity but there's a density to battles puzzles in a location that i just like i was like i could play it for an hour and then i have to stop i feel like there's always a natural stopping point and that's why it took me a little while to get through the game i find um, versus other rpgs where actually i find other rpgs much more playable and easier for me to just keep going with but sea of stars felt so segmented in a way that i always kind of had that kind of like cap on it and i was like okay i'm done for this session and i'll I, come back i almost later. find the segments more driving me on to be honest where oh interesting I'm like, okay right i'm at this campfire healed up i've done some puzzles i'm going to take on that final boss of this area and now we're going to move on to the town we're finding out the problem we're into hmm. the dungeon and we're puzzling again and, and i feel like each dungeon each segment is so small that i do just constantly want more and okay i think from a difficulty perspective it's Every time I've thought the game might be getting too easy, something wallops, wallops me in oh, like a okay, very cool. kind of healthy way, right. actually. Um, I mean, you, the only like uh, kind of timing-based RPG you've played is the original Paper Mario, right? right? Yeah. Um, so this, I mean, again, this is 
we talk about Chrono Trigger a lot, but really this is pulling from the Mario RPG lineage when it comes to the style of combat and the way that it, it works. And it's very much a blending of Chrono Trigger and Paper Mario for combat. Yes, I, I, for and sure. leveling up because you get to like pick the the one point or whatever the couple of points so you, you get, get general yeah. level up points but then you get like an extra boost to something you select just like paper mario was paper mario exactly like, but yeah it's i think that it is i really love the combat system i think it's the perfect evolution of chrono trigger to be honest where when you actually think back to games like chrono trigger final fantasy 6 their battle systems are actually very simplistic predominantly especially when you compare them to like modern day jrpgs where i feel like the number of things you can do the number of different moves you can do the number of combos you can do feels like it's increased exponentially in that genre compared to say in the 90s and i think that adding in the timing adding in different ways of like it's very interesting like having the ability to rebuild up your mp i think is also really important in this Mm -hmm. game where If I go in with full health and full MP, it almost feels like if my magic power is full, I should be using it. So I feel like an opening gambit yes. is... They tell you that, don't they? They're like, it. hey, you should always be making sure this is being used up. Right. Use up your MP and then you build it up through like physical attacks. And then on top of that, physical attacks and knocking out these little orbs. And then the little orbs can give you a little bit of boost of magic attack to your physical attack. Yeah, the boost stuff is really nice, right? Really because nice. there's a tactical level of hitting an enemy to get those on the field. And then you're like, oh shit, I need two hits. But you're like, oh wait, I can get the elemental and the blunt hit in this one go with this one character if I just absorb it into me, right? So yeah. that hit applies both which just is a nice way of balancing it and i think it's interesting because sometimes an enemy will not have a uh, lock on them but they're about to attack but you would rather get rid of the locks on the other enemies because that's more dangerous to you than right you'd exactly. rather just take a hit from a regular enemy yeah. rather than a bigger hit from a uh a, a special attack that you can yeah. break in, I, w- I would say there are too many locks that have appeared where it is just physically impossible to break them all yes yeah early that can on, happen uh, early on definitely there's there's some where you are forced to basically and you're forced to just deal with it and learn right. the timing and he's got a sponge um, hits and and that's fine because it is easy enough to to heal up and there's it's got the combo powers from chrono trigger which i do enjoy and yeah. what's great about those is they don't use any mp and they encourage they say you need to use these every battle because these little pips you get to power those up vanish after a battle They'll go away so you right should, you exactly won't, so you, you won't restore you have them, the yeah. option to heal heal kind of thing and i think all that stuff is really good i think that like so i've made garl like my tank he's all about mm-hmm. high health taking hits he doesn't really dish hits he's more about healing and taking hits yeah that's uh, what he's built for yeah. exactly and then i've got is it valir the valir's the um the moon lady basically and she's my physical attacker and then with zale right zale the sun yeah. dude he's more my magic attacker um and that's kind of like the builds i'm going for at the moment and it works well it complements each other nicely and i think that it's just a really nice combat system because it, it mixes things up i love the timing especially with like um valir's moon 
boomerang the, the boomerang is the best move in the game i think that's a it's an element of it which is a little unbalanced is that is so much a better option than a lot of the other moves in the game because it is eventually you get the timing down to where you can absolutely just nail it and but the timing changes every time you use it because it's based on the distance between enemies and valir mm-hmm. So you can get really unlucky in the way that it's laid out and it becomes a really tricky timing versus if you're facing an enemy one-on-one, you can nail the timing and max it out. I think that's Um, true to some degree at where you are in the game anyway. By the time you get to the 25-hour mark, you've done so many combinations so many times that it becomes very second nature. And I think it eventually hmm. is like not an easy win button but it basically is a good way to get big chunks of damage off of bosses and right. stuff like that um, right so um and i think that part of the problem with that is that if you look at your character right now you'll see a couple of empty slots and like it will take a while for you to get other moves like one of the drawbacks of this combat system is everyone has their own unique moves and you only really have two and then you get a third and a fourth i've got a third on each of um valir and oh, okay zale or whatever yeah called. So you'll um, you'll only get one more for the rest of the for the the next fifteen hours. So yeah. that's where the combat doesn't get dry, but really the combat's variety more so comes from learning enemy patterns and enemy attacks, and that's where they get variety from. Because your actual combat moves, there's not a big difference in, in what yeah. changes. No, so. I get that. I get that. Um, but certainly where I'm at so far, it is really fun, and the variety is feeling fresh. Um, and I am. Um, really loving it like i said i actually think it's a really cozy game especially like a lot of the art design around the campfires and you can pretty much put a campfire anywhere like you can put them in You've the got, overworld um, the pink haired girl what's her name the the storyteller girl. storyteller yes yeah, she's which, great some of those stories are really good actually like, really good some, some good lore in there and i think that's it's actually the best writing in the game is kind of her stories and the lore of the world that you can get from pieces by such a nice idea that like right we're gonna have this campfire what can you do at the campfire you can rest and reheal mm-hmm. you can sit and listen to stories which is awesome and yeah. you can cook meals like it's yeah. got a little little um crafting kind of cooking yeah mini game not mini game really but just like putting materials together and then it, mm-hmm. interestingly it maxes out at 10 items you can carry right. and maybe so there's that a limit improves but i don't know if the limit ever changes but it's really interesting because i found early on in the game there was an area where i was like wow i used all my items to heal myself and now there's a real value in collecting those ingredients and using them for cooking and that was the only time i did it like i wish they'd push that a little bit more for the rest of the game because for the rest of the game i always had i I didn't use up as many resources basically as i as i did early on i think this is is... a clever counter to the mbz i'm never going to use anything ever kind of yeah move um inventory problem mm-hmm. is that Absolutely. yeah let's max out at 10 and i would argue battles can go south incredibly fast if you go into those do, battles yeah. with either low hp or low mp so mm-hmm. keeping those topped up when you're going into encounters isn't very very important i'd say so i feel like i've been encouraged by the game based on the number of times it's gone south unintentionally to like use these items and keep them going and keep those keep a couple of slots free in case i bump into something that i want to pick up like a i don't know what's it called a mushroom soup or whatever you you always want to have like a revive item handy and you always want to have like a, a big full health and mana regen handy so you you kind of you'll always keep those as the things you never use until the final boss of the game but um for the most part like regular ones i think is is good to just keep using them and eventually you'll get to a point where it's like oh my hp is too high now for this low tier item so i should just Ah. eat it and get rid of it um so i'll have to 
cook much higher tier stuff eventually yeah, yeah. um i think again it's one of the unique things that this game takes from uh, the mario rpg series is the numbers are not very high right we're so used to traditional final fantasy games being like you start the game and terror's doing seven thousand damage already and it's like okay well the numbers already start at this they are only going higher whereas here it's like you have nine hp and the attack's going to do three damage, you know? Like, it's it's kind of nice to have those low numbers. Um, it makes it... Yeah, I've, I've, like, played eight hours and I'm level seven. Like, right, it does exactly. take a while to level up, for sure. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, um, which is good. I, it, I just think it, this game is learning so much from other games in the genre and putting them together in such an impressive way. Is it doing anything that new? Probably not. But, no. like, it, it's, it's, inc- it's an incredibly impressive package. And... I mean, I wouldn't call it platforming, but, like, the traversal of areas is just enjoyable in this game, I found. It's, it's such a great balance between uh, battling, puzzling, and yet... Mm pseudo platform because it's kind of exploration kind of like climbing up dropping yeah. down working out where to go what next. items do you have you have the the gust push is that one that that's you the have? only one i've got okay there's there's another one i think i'm about to get one in there's the one coming up in this area i believe that is probably my favorite one in the i game, think it's a just, grappling hook but I it's, it's very very fun to use and uh yeah i enjoyed quite a bit and actually changes up the way that you can enter combat also which i think is quite cool um oh, so okay. yeah there's definitely uh some some nice stuff that you get as you go through it um obviously music is a big conversation oh, point God. with this game but um i mean you know the messenger is one of my they got the chrono trigger guy right yeah yashinori mitsuda did a few tracks it's not like the majority of it the majority is just the original sound team from uh, sabotage studio which you know the messenger is i think one of the best indie game soundtracks of all time and this game makes me want to play the messenger i need yeah. to get to that game um mm-hmm. but yeah the soundtrack is stellar um i'm really into the, the battle themes and um i love just the tone of uh, the save point and oh is it, is it the healing at the campfire or the save point i think it's the, the healing at the campfire it's like a like like a flute or something that just kind of tails off at the end i just it's just like a real attention to detail with this mm. game that um there are no jaggedy edges at all with this game it feels like everything oh, yeah. is very well crafted very Super well put polished, together really like, really polished yeah. um and yeah, if you like any kind of traditional style of RPGs, like I do, um, this is a great one. It's I think the checkpointing is pretty generous on the whole. I think that there's quite a few save points and mm-hmm. campfires, and you can put a campfire down anywhere in the overworld, I want to say, and then in the areas, there's frequent ones. Yeah, I, re- I really like the tiny little... I really like the tiny little sprites you get in the overworld um, when you're in the area past the mole creatures where the big dragon is and you oh, go yeah, down. Yeah, really and you're like, cool. wow, the pixel art there is really. You've got like that amazing. area where you're jumping down these waterfalls and like you can actually mm. swim in this game. Like it, and the animation for swimming is just so impressive where they kind of yeah. swim vertically in this weird kind of way. It's, it's Yeah, that's the blend of technology, right? Where the water effects is just like more modern stuff mm. combined yeah, with the pixel art totally. to just. Uh, yeah to create something that just feels really nice and just looks amazing so yeah um so barring like a big grand overarching story which i feel like is the main thing most of these jrpgs hit, hit out the park mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's doing everything else so impressively well and i i know that prince of Persia is coming out but i i would like to get quite far in this game before that game comes out probably you're won't making beat good it, but yeah I'll you're making good time with it you know, yeah eight, eight, I'm, I'm like eight yeah. and a half hours in i'll probably play at least another eight and a half ten hours before 
Prince of Persia comes out, so eighteen it hours. Or so. I think life. the game's like twenty-eight yeah. hours and maybe thirty-four if you do extra, according to how long to beat. Um, yes, I'm feeling quite keen to do the extra stuff as it stands, but we'll see how I feel when I get there. Oh yeah, I looked up what you have to do. It's a it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff you have to do. The extra stuff is very cool, but I got I felt I got the experience out of it just watching a YouTube video, um, okay, as opposed to doing it myself, but. Um, but yeah, I think it took me 26 hours or something like that. Right, um, right. You get to a point where you're like, oh, the game's wrapping up now. And it's like, no, you have seven more hours, actually. <laughs> Which I actually enjoy because I think the back seven hours are quite strong in this game. So mm, interesting. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a cool uh, cool kind of end and, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm looking forward to hearing more yeah. of your thoughts on it. Cause now think... like Golden Sun out, uh huh, yeah. Switch online, like I need to get to that as well. The, some the, year, yeah. Some there's there's year, a so. lot of uh, Golden Sun DNA in the I would say exploration and puzzle solving oh, of this game. Definitely, yeah, the um definitely. the gustability is very much like it's a Zelda kind of style of puzzle, but that's very much what Golden Sun was doing, right? There's a there's like a, a hand ability in golden sun that pushes blocks that is very similar to what they're doing here so i feel like if you are vibing with that then golden sun probably yeah. will work it's, as well the puzzles so far are perfect and really not that challenging but they're still mm-hmm. very satisfying and that's the important yeah. part yeah absolutely it's good stuff i love it great yeah i i quickly identified it as a ballet game and i'm glad to see that i'm being proven right so far this so. was literally the next game i was going to play last year yeah. this game 100 percent, as things stand would probably be getting into that top 10 somewhere that's um, kind of why i wanted to push for it for our um our top 10 at the end of the year because yeah I was... even though it didn't make your personal top 10 no, i think no. it's in the Bali year it made the I, I predicted the future and i was like <laughs> Bali would push for this on this list so let's put it in there basically so uh good stuff um all right Bally. uh my last game i want to talk about uh it kind of ties into my uh, resolution for this year which is playing more old games um specifically games on 3ds one of which i have to play now after that thing we did last time with mm-hmm. the uh, fortune cookie um but um it's been a game that i've been meaning to play for a very long time um that a lot of people have said a lot of good things about i remember back when it came out uh on rfn james jones had his like his third game of the year and stuff like that so a lot of people have talked very highly of attack of the friday monsters so a little bit of history here um there is a series in japan called boko no natsuyasumi which is a it's basically a kind of summer adventure is kind of the title of the series if you put it into english it's like my summer vacation is basically the the name of it and what these games are is they're basically an attempt to capture what it's like to be a kid in japan in summer um it's a very kind of low gameplay focused very vibes based kind of style of game uh and i can't remember the name of the creator of uh of this series but this series got recent uh popularity through uh, a guy called tim rogers tim rogers used to work for kotaku uh, and he did big videos at kotaku that did very well he went off on his own started his own patreon all that sort of stuff like a lot of people have done and he has a, a youtube channel called action button and um action button it focuses on like very niche weird japanese games and does literally six hour video essays on them so he put out a video i want to say two years ago uh because i remember when um one of my colleagues joined uh, our company he he's a he's like very deep into lots of niche stuff and he was telling me how him and his friend had been you know watching this six hour epic uh video from tim rogers that was on boku no natsuyasumi this this farming not farming this kind of uh 
vacation summer series um because none of them have really been localized for western markets all the original series have always been japan only and the only way you can play them is via fan translations there are two games that are now available in english one of them is this uh, attack of the friday monsters uh the other one is a crayon shinchan game so you must have seen shinchan before bali he's the little tiny boy japanese mm, uh, cartoon yeah. um there's a crayon shinchan game that is in a part of this series basically it's like a spin-off that does this gameplay but with that character instead and that's on switch which i'm actually kind of interested in um but that i would say like what this really is about is just an experiencing of a vibe and a culture and a world and i think one of my favorite things about attack of the friday monsters which to set it up is basically you're this kid who lives in this small town and uh you know your parents are always telling you oh be careful at friday because the monsters come out um and so there's this light kind of uh fantasy element to it um but you run around and you do little side quests by talking to people in the village uh and you have a bunch of friends and there's a little mini game to it that's kind of like this card game that is kind of lightly uh used as part of the gameplay but is it's probably the most video game thing about it but it is more about just like exploring the space uh, and walking from screen to screen um, and just figuring out what's going on and much like playstation one games that use pre-rendered backgrounds this also does that where you walk from one screen to another and the camera perspective changes and it's like now it's all the way zoomed out and you can see more of a top-down view of the town now it's very close to you and you can run towards the camera now you're going under a bridge and so you see the underneath of the bridge and then you go out the other side and it changes back to a side-on perspective so as you navigate it you become very familiar with what each of these screens looks like um and there's a kind of a coziness to it of this very small space this dense area that you explore and you kind of figure out and it's nice on 3ds because you have the bottom screen where you can see the map and so you can figure out where people are it very handily puts little markers on there as well to be like this is where you should go to do the next part of this little quest that you have to go on um and there's a little bit of exploration stuff where you can you pick up these little glimmers uh, on the ground these shiny bits on the ground one of my favorite things in video games is shiny bits i made a whole video on nino kuni 2 about how that's like the best part of the game is just picking up shiny bits on the floor um they they those are the things that you kind of collect to make your cards so you find like five of these pieces and then you can create like a monster card and you can use it to battle your friends um and there's this very cute interaction that happens where it's like uh you have to be your car- your friend at cards and the person who wins becomes the boss of the other person and that other person becomes the servant and when you become the boss then you can say the magic spell and it causes your friend to fall over and then you tell them to get up so it's like it's very much a kind of childlike thing of like oh i'm the boss of you for today type of deal um it really evokes that kind of childlike wonder of being in it's what like you know miyamoto talks about of like he used to explore the woods and stuff like that that's basically what this this game is i mean i'm surprised nintendo haven't got a series like this where it's just about walking around a town or you know charming little japanese neighborhood because that's that's the inspiration for so many of nintendo's games um Mm. and and yeah it feels like it it nails it i think for me from a sound perspective more so than anything like the transition between screens often is accompanied by a change in the way that things sound around you so there's a river that you have a bridge that you cross over and so like the the footsteps going across that but then you turn to the 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 right going down that bridge and it cuts to a side on perspective and the side on perspective the camera is actually close to the water and so you very clearly hear the rushing water as it goes Mm. past and there's just a a real care and attention detail it's also really nice in 3d because obviously they were using the system back then for, for that purpose um 
and so like your your parents live in a laundromat and like you are you know uh that's that's your home and so every time you go in there you see in the foreground they're actually just kind of jpegs or pngs i would say of like clothes hanging but when you use it with 3d it creates that kind of feeling of depth even though you can tell they're just like they're basically images just put in front but i think there's almost a charming low budget quality to that stuff that i think is quite effective and um yeah and i think the the writing's very nice it's, it's super charming and it's only three hours again a very very oh, short cool. little experience so um the developer called millennium kitchen um and uh it definitely has made me want to check out the rest of this series i think the other games in the series are uh kind of less fantastical even more grounded in just the mundanity of just you know being in a japanese countryside you know it sounds um, like the perfect game that would fit into a miyamoto story where he's yes. like and when i was growing up in kyoto as a small mm-hmm. boy and my parents would say look out for the monsters on friday and i'd yeah. run around the town and then i decided exactly. to make a game about it. <laughs> i mean yeah it's, it's very it's, it's very interesting because the game opens with a not a statement but like it's a you know white text on a black background and it said like in the 19 whenever it was i think um it was like the 40s right when uh world war ii happened that's right i, I know mm-hmm. history um <laughs> it was like back then you know the threat of nuclear war and like the, the the whole kind of godzilla and like all that stuff is born out of a threat of nuclear war right really is is yeah is what it comes from and um and it kind of frames the story in that way and in some ways like it um like there is fantastical elements to this game it gets it gets a little bit loopy at the end but there is a uh, an idea of industry right and uh, industry is very much a so something i wrote about in my dissertation at university mm-hmm. uh, was tolkien and industry and how just love he, referencing lord of the rings absolutely it's we're, we should change this to lord of the rings podcast frankly <laughs> yeah. um but i mean tolkien was very much a naturalist he loved the environment he loved the countryside and he was very much a uh he anti-industrialist argued, very much an anti-industrialist like hated um all that stuff and thought it was ruining england and all everything along those lines and this game kind of leans into that idea of like to some degree the monsters are the kind of smokestacks from industry that you can see in the sky that create these shapes that are from a kid's perspective oh they're monsters but really it is just a you know it's a personification of what the industry is doing to japan and what it's doing to uh, modern culture versus what everything used to be right and so you have on the one hand this kind of rural kind of paradise but then it, you see the encroaching you feel the encroaching technology uh, and the way it's starting to bleed into uh, the simple lives that these people lead right um, which i think is is very interesting um and yeah I, I think it's just it's very very cool but the the worst thing about it is i talk about it here i recommend it you can't buy it anymore <laughs> it was only yeah. on 3ds yeah. and that store being gone is such a shame now because um you know that was the purpose of me going and buying all these games it's like i want to make sure that i get these experiences before they go away and i'm very glad i did with attack of the friday monsters See, i'm just but... really selfish i knew you were going to do this and then uh-huh. the experience that you had and you were like oh valley this is the best game i know if i had to i could borrow your 3ds for three hours and experience this game yeah probably uh i don't know borrowing a 3ds is a little (laughs) bit more than like having a cartridge it'd be much easier (laughs) for there's a cartridge um yeah you could probably track this down well you probably can't because this was released as part of the guild series this is something i've talked about in the past um guild zero one and zero two were basically 3ds mini games not mini games like this a three-hour short game small 3ds projects made by famous japanese developers right so suda 51 made one and Millennium Kitchen made this and all these other people made different games and in Japan they had physical versions on carts that you could get at least for 
the first set i believe um mm. so in japan you could probably track down a physical version but again it's going to be in japanese so there's no way to actually enjoy the yeah, the narrative yeah. parts of it um so yeah i mean in the future i can imagine this being a lot easier to do like at some point bali i'll probably be able to like hack a 3ds and get it on there and oh, yeah. probably like Easy. give you a hacked 3ds Easy. and be like here are all the 3ds I mean, games i, you I hear the switch too it's going to have 3d and they're going to bring back oh the 3DS-y right shop uh-huh. and yeah it's all i wouldn't worry about that yeah totally 100 <laughs> percent happening um but yeah I'm, I'm sure there'll be a a way to enjoy this but if not i'm sure that there will be other millennium kitchen games in this style that will probably be worth playing eventually and it's, it's one of those weird things where uh, i will probably have to seek out fan translations and you know roms and stuff like that to to play the rest of the series um but there'll be ways of doing you, this in you the love future. stuff like that though i fucking <laughs> project. love that i love that so much the yes, playing so. part will be like another three hours the mm-hmm. doing the project will be like four weeks at least a minimum <laughs> yeah. yeah like i'm i'm going for it. like um what was that game i did recently it wasn't legend of the river king it was for the it was the frog for whom the bell tolls that game right. boy game um the nintendo one that never got a translation i recently did a bunch of work to get that to work on my steam deck haven't played it yet uh, probably won't for six years but you know it's there and ready with the fan translation all right it's ready to go so i'm prepared okay um but yeah no i mean if you if you did download this before 3ds stuff went away very much recommend it it's, it's a really cool time and yeah very charming and i just love playing the 3ds the other thing i've been doing is playing theater rhythm again on my 3ds i played a lot of it last year but didn't kind of tick it off my list because i'm like i am finished with theater rhythm when i've played every single song in this game i've now done i think over a hundred uh so far um and there's like 200 so i'm still i've got quite a lot to go nice. um, but uh but yeah that like having a 3ds next to my bedside has been very nice uh last few weeks so um yeah i'm definitely gonna do more it's a great system it's so so good it's a good system it's a very good system it will go down in nintendo history as one of the good ones Mm -hmm. absolutely so there you go uh but that is going to do us for the first part of the show we'll be back though after the break taking some of your questions don't go anywhere we'll be right back back to the second part of today's show it's time for emails it's been a while this always happens it's a little time yeah we get game of the year then we got to do our predictions and it's like three episodes in a row that's like six weeks so it's been it's been a little while um since we've done emails but we always need more so if you would like to send an email into the show please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com 
or send a comment a question over in our discord server we have a channel dedicated to emails it is called emails uh, you can post it in there and join a community of over 150 tnl listeners uh the community has been pretty active recently so definitely mm-hmm. check that out our first email this time is from ryan p who says dear mvz and bally congrats on 10 years of podcasting crazy to think how much has happened in the world of video games within all that time frame multiple console generations nintendo merging their handheld and console spaces into one and plenty of innovations for software and hardware my question for the day is where do you think gaming will be in 10 more years uh, vr aug- augmented reality be more mainstay will consoles continue to innovate or will it uh, be more iterative power increases uh, love to hear your thoughts have a powerful day yeah that nod at the end i realized is the thing i said at the end of our practice uh recording um for uh, uh the very first episode <laughs> like it was my sign off was have a powerful day i was like okay not, was like, not the worst outro i think no, that for a but, first attempt that's not bad that's pretty yeah good. but like i never really I ne- we never really adopted a like fuck capitalism go home sign off i mean right? i would like, love to have adopted that one but i mean yeah, it's a very we, strong we, we definitely one. need something yeah, I've gone ten years with that one. I think we. No, can. I know. I was going to say, do we need one? We've never had one, but I re- yeah, because I think I was like, what? What is that referencing? And I was like, oh right, because we put that at the end of the ten year episode. Right, completely missed that. Um, that is hilarious. And I think yeah, the last thing I said was have a powerful day, <laughs> just to like go on the like now you're playing with powerful power thing, uh, which is is quite funny. So I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll have to come up with something. But um, yeah, yeah. In any case, uh. Yeah, predicting the future. Always a thing that we're very good at, Bally. We just know exactly what's happening. Very much so. Um, very much so. Yeah, I I think that there is a... There's going to be some kind of convergence here at some point, right? Like, I feel like every generation people are like, well, this is the last hardware generation. It's all going to the cloud. It's all going to be in the internet, and that's all we're going to do. And I feel like 10 years is actually a long enough time for that to happen. If you think about... I mean, I would say the previous 10 years we've just had is less forward-stepping than the 10 years before that in terms of jumps, right? Mm. Like, the amount and the significance of the jumps in terms of what type of games there are. I think the natural evolution of the video game industry maturing is Mm -hmm. the jumps are getting smaller. Yeah, it's like, what's that? um, There's that theorem or there's something like that about, like, hardware power or something power increases uh, exponentially every year or something um hmm. but i don't know if that is slowing down or not there's a whole um like chips thing with like um what you call them, like silicon graphics and or silicon chips stuff like i don't know what i'm fucking talking about i'm just talking out my ass but you know there, there, I, there's some theory about like every year this specific like a technology in terms of like computing hardware exponentially gets more and more and so it's how quickly we're going to get to crazy stuff which i mean we're Mm. already talking about ai it's a big conversation that has been a large part of like last year's uh, kind of just tech uh stuff happening right like we had nfts and they kind of disappeared and so all the tech bros are now going after ai which is the the next main thing which i feel like is gonna be something that's gonna impact games pretty significantly right i think it's gonna have uh some kind of role to play it's really weird though because um the term ai we've used in the game space for so long that it's like it's being co-opted in this other way for this other kind of thing and it also just just like a banner term for so many things it's not really well defined yeah, I would say, which is similar to like everything before it's kind of one of those terms that's used 
by people when a very small number of people probably actually understand exactly what it is and how it works yes yeah lots of lay people talking about ai without really knowing what ai is mm. fundamentally um and not to say that i do but you know i'm not going to go out there and talk about it you know um so i, I feel like there is a encroaching uh tech of that type uh that will be a factor in games i mean it's already starting to happen with um i don't know if you heard about the story with the finals that game that i've been playing the first person shooter no. um all the announcers in that game are ai voiced oh, God. uh I heard which about is it accidentally happening for one character in prince of persia that's very oh different. really okay yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah it's it's they made a conscious decision to do that which is a i don't know it's a scary thing it's uh it's like hey i mean we always you know talk about and i think there's lots of if we look back at a sci-fi uh kind of literature over the past you know 20 years or 40 years or whatever you if you go back even further than that to like isaac asimov and stuff like that i mean all these things of eventually machines will be sentient right and they mm. will start taking human jobs and all that stuff which you know industry and stuff we we're talking about before definitely had a big impact on working class people and uh, the way that jobs were done and i feel like this new technology is gonna have an even bigger impact in terms of like modern uh kind of work culture and what what's going to happen with it so definitely definitely there's going to be a lot of knock-on effects I, but i don't know how how do you think it will will kind of shake out in in 10 years time will we will we be kind of like having it as a, a core part of yeah of what we do i mean as we've described i think 10 years in video games is actually a sh- much shorter time than mm-hmm. we might think otherwise and i think it's basically one console generation that, and i think a it's getting bit. shorter because of the length of console generations and the time yeah. it takes to make games like we we've talked previously about how now there's going to be like one last of us game on the ps5 probably like that's just one game you know like there's going to be one game from each series on that one system and then the next system will have one game from that series because most games are gradually taking like five six seven years sometimes longer to develop so i think that's one part i think the thing about cloud gaming which is kind of another big thing that people are moving towards i think the thing i struggle with is the argument is cloud gaming will take over because people won't have to have consoles they can just game on their phones they can game on their laptops they can game on all these other devices without the big fixed cost it arguably takes to get into the video game industry and to my knowledge of cloud gaming and maybe this i need to read up more on who's actually playing cloud gaming Mm. to my knowledge it's only the most hardcore of the hardcore that even play cloud gaming and people who will already own an xbox a playstation a gaming pc and they'll say hey i'll give that a go i'll play it on my steam deck or my phone or my laptop or something else i to my knowledge the idea that non-gamers normies people out in the mainstream are in any way inclined to play games on existing streaming services whether that's xcloud or netflix or something else I just don't feel like the pickup is there right now. And I don't know where that pickup would necessarily come from. So my point is like, yes, it could go mainstream, but right now it's only the most hardcore of the hardcore using it. So how do you flip that dynamic on its head? Yeah, I mean, I guess that happens with a lot of technology, arguably, right? Like um, 
uh, Tim at Kind of Funny talks about the Apple Watch all the time. Of, right. Like, when it first came out, it was this incredibly niche thing for only the most rich of rich people. And now everybody has one, right? There is always going to be hardcore adopters day one for new tech. And those will be the people who will eventually tell their friends about it. And slowly over time, it starts to filter out to the mainstream. Right. And so I think there is a argument to be made for once cloud streaming becomes a viable option um then i mean you look at the tv and film landscape and it is 90 percent taken up by streaming services right like no one has physical hardware anymore mm-hmm. it's the same with music right it's all streaming every single person but gaming the is different day, to those two right it's very different because there's such an importance placed on latency latency yeah and and like none of those other things suffer from that because it doesn't matter if there's a delay between the server and Netflix. You'll never experience that. You're only experiencing what they're sending to you and you're experiencing it f- through a passive medium where you don't have any interactivity. Likewise with music, I would say that I've run into some stuff with music before where latency has been an issue, but that's like me listening to something on wireless headphones that then causes a delay when I am trying to play like a guitar thing along to it and stuff like that. All oh, right, um, yeah that's where that kind of comes into play and that's the only thing kind of example i can think of versus games where like yeah if if it doesn't respond properly like that can cause a whole bunch of issues it can call cause motion sickness issues for me it can cause just a lot of disconnection from what you're doing um and i think that is the biggest stumbling block really the the question is like how much does that matter to normal mainstream people who don't really feel or understand or know that that's happening because i mean there's so many people out there who don't know what 30 and 60 frames are and can't tell the difference right like there's got to be lots of people out there who play a game through a cloud service and for us it's like wow this is laggy as hell yeah but for them they're like oh no it's i don't see any difference so is, is, is there a comparison to be made where the idea of us playing a game like Fortnite with virtual analog sticks is mm-hmm. completely an anathema. It's like, there's no way we'd ever want to even try that when yeah. the reality is the majority of Fortnite players are probably using are virtual doing that. joystick uh-huh. analog yeah. sticks. Yeah, so I like, think to some degree, yeah. Some, something that we feel very strongly about with like latency and streaming and the games that we like to play, whether that's countering in a, in a game, in a third-person action game or something like does that matter to the wider audience i don't Mm -hmm. know yeah totally um so i i feel like if you deliver it to them in a affordable understandable package like you have to have basically game pass needs to become a thing that you download on a television through a smart tv right like and i think that's what they're moving towards but like one day there will be that service and it will be on any tv um the biggest barrier here is that if you do want to get into it you still need a controller controllers are always going to be a barrier to entry for anybody and they're going up in price and like everything else that's hardware like that they are made from finite materials with all these mm -hmm. semi-precious um metals that just kind of yeah are pretty finite and are used in all of our technology (laughs) yeah exactly um but like i i guess you could make the argument for like reading is somewhat different in that way as well because like if you want to do the digital approach to reading you have to buy an e-reader right but then that's the the one thing you use for all of that um versus most people who buy televisions mostly use it for other purposes which is to watch stuff or to stream stuff from different services but you know like there's 
there's not an insignificant number of people who watch YouTube and Twitch and stuff on their television now. And that was unheard of years ago. But now yeah. we're in an era where that exists and is very viable. Um, but yeah, there there is, I think with games, there's always going to be a couple more steps that makes it harder for that true mainstream audience to get into it. Um, until yeah. we're, we have a day where... And Nintendo were kind of <laughs> trying to start this with the Wii, right? Like, they made a controller that was like a TV remote so that normal people could understand it. Until we get to a point in time where all television remotes are also game controllers and every te- TV you buy comes with a remote that is basically also a controller, you're not going to move the needle, I think, in terms of the big, no, big, no. wide appeal, right? But I think yeah. that can happen. I think it's very possible for games to become such a part of what you do on a television for everybody that whatever controller comes with your tv is like oh yeah i can use that and it could be like a power user thing where if you really are into it and there's lots of people who are super into tvs who have like hardcore remotes that they program themselves and they have extra buttons on them it could be a thing for like if you actually are into games then you go out and you buy an xbox controller or something like that right um yeah, it's the only way I can see it happening because otherwise mean, it's, it's difficult. I think that argument of like, where do people get an Xbox controller or a PS5 controller or whatever, I think mm-hmm. the simple simplest argument to that in 10 years is they're just going to get it with an Xbox or they're just going to get it with a PS6 or whatever. Like sure, I, I yeah. still think where we live in a world where it's all about the platform and if you look at a company like Xbox, the platform is made up of PC and Xbox and streaming. I think as long as Xbox as in the console box is part of that argument to widen the platform they will sell a box to widen that platform and this is the same with sony i think that there's going to be a valuable space for a physical console as long as there are millions of people willing to buy physical consoles and what's one reason i think the latency argument is a big reason to buy that physical console and i think as games are getting more fast-paced and first-person shooter based and all these other things where latency would wreck your day um i think there's still going to be a lot of value in in having that that home console even if it is just because it's the easiest place to get a a games controller gamepad Mm. like that could i still think in 10 years time yes sales might have dropped on physical consoles but i still think they're still going to sell in the millions for sure hmm I think in the next 10 years, we'll have two more Nintendo platforms at the least, right? Because we're going to get something new very soon. And then within 10 years, we'll have whatever the follow-up to that is. Um, Do you, I think just generally, right, this question of will consoles continue to innovate or will it be more iterative power increases? I think from Nintendo's standpoint, I think they're the most likely to innovate. But what do you think about the, the other platforms? Yeah, I mean, I think Nintendo won't innovate this time, <laughs> but they probably they will time, want yeah. to next time. Uh, will the other platforms innovate? I think that when you compare them to Nintendo, um, so I was just telling you about this Nintendo, uh, this uh, sort of like business finance podcast that mm-hmm. I was listening to. Um, so Caroline's brother works in finance and he recommended this over Christmas. And I was like, okay, I'll listen to it. It's history of Nintendo. Sounds good. And the two guys we went went back and did deep dive on Nintendo's history, and they made the point that there is no example in Nintendo's history of them making of them not gambling. Like they mm. always gamble, always. The only time they made a safe bet actually came up short, and it's actually the example I gave you of that game. I've completely forgotten the name of. 
um, uh, radar scope radar scope which was nintendo's attempt to copy space invaders in the united states and flopped massively that was the one time they tried to do something safe and it backfired massively so when you've got one company that is so hellbent on rolling the dice and trying new things versus sony and microsoft who are they innovators like i mean i I think they they try and get to the edge of it right like sony are more prone to that because i think of their japanese heritage to some degree right like the dual sense is a really cool piece of technology Mm. from like all the shit they've pumped into it but then nobody uses any of it (laughs) you could argue that for nintendo as well of like nintendo pump a lot of shit into their uh, consoles and then nobody really uses it but um but I, I feel like they at least, at least Sony does, at least with PS5, Sony have tried something. Whereas I'd argue Xbox have just been like, let's just do another, just the Xbox One controller, just make it a bit better. That's what they did. Yeah, probably, and, so. and innovation, that's a, like a hardware example of innovation. But I'd even go as far as like software wise, where's the where's the first party innovation? Like it, it's it's still Nintendo, right? I I, I, mm. I feel like, Sony and Microsoft are, and, and Nintendo, all these companies are in the interest of their shareholders and their their board, obviously. But like, I think that the the safe bet with Sony and Microsoft is keep doing what you're doing. And like, I think it what's refreshing. I think what's innovative about Xbox, Microsoft is Game Pass. That's the innovation, arguably. Now it's innovative in the video game space when it's been done for Netflix for over a decade. Yeah, they're just copying. TV they're just copying stuff, a format, yeah. a, pl- a, a, um, a platform format. But like that is innovative and what i think is exciting in the next 10 years is will we still be paying 70 dollars 70 pounds for the new sony first party game or is is that going to be the biggest shift is that sony falls into the streaming system and you know we're not going to be buying day one hard copies of all these games you know like i think that that's probably where i think microsoft have the upper hand is that they they have innovated a long time not when game pass five years ago mm-hmm. uh, six years yeah. ago um yeah. that was the innovation then and i feel like i don't think either of those companies are going to innovate too much more other than yeah. the things we know about in the next 10 years i'd be shocked yeah i think um a streaming only future for games i think is unlikely i think it also is incredibly scary uh when you think about like the way in which music has been so screwed up the music industry by streaming becoming the only thing people do no one pays for any music anymore right no one pays Mm. for tv and movies they just do their subscription to whatever platform for however long and that really makes you beholden to the platform like whatever netflix says is going to be popular is going to be popular whatever you know if game pass becomes the only thing in the world whatever microsoft lets on the service is the only thing that gets any kind of attention mm-hmm. and that's scary in a world where fourteen thousand games release on steam every year and there are more games than we can count and attention is the hardest thing even today so taking away avenues for people to break through and do interesting innovative stuff like i think honestly it stifles creativity in a way uh, because it means that you're playing to the whims of a platform and you're trying to trying to please an algorithm more than you are people which i think is just not a good thing i I don't think we will see streaming become the only thing because with platforms like nintendo who are probably not against it but i think they know that their value is an ip and in selling ip yeah and valve who as a platform also just want to sell games to you directly um 
I think that that's going to be a bastion of saving. I would say, I'd say Microsoft and Sony are far more likely to fall into the streaming stuff, which makes their platforms no, a little bit wobbly in, in some ways of like, then how do you how do you do well on those platforms, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very tricky. Oof. Well, I think we're going to keep coming back to this question because of course. I think it is, and it is interesting in this year where Nintendo are hopefully revealing a new system and, you know, it's 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 fun to look back at video game history and then compare that to where we are today and mm-hmm. what was the innovations then versus what is going to come and um it feels pretty uninspiring at the moment and yeah all things all things considered when you compare it to some of the leaps and bounds made previously but um yeah i, I mean at the, at the end of the day nintendo are always the most interesting company to follow with hardware because you just have no fucking idea what they're gonna do (laughs) like they like you just i know we're all sitting here being like it's a slam dunk switch to just call it that just make a better one they're not gonna fucking do that that's going to be that weird ass quirk it's the equivalent of wiimotes or street Uh pass or a dual screen or 3d like you can Uh that's just the last four consoles you can keep going there's just these weird ass innovations on systems like i think the 3ds 3d on the the 3ds is a great one because the ds was a damn successful console yeah and then they just added a thing to that existing successful format like that is wild so yeah yeah switch is a successful system successful platform but yeah, they're going to add something weird. You just mm-hmm. know it. And it's going to be a projector that looks at the ceiling. <laughs> Switch up. There we go. Let's sort uh, Good stuff. Right. Our next email is from Chad, who's from Nebraska, says, Hi, guys. Earlier this year, I finished binging all 10 years of NYPP slash TNL, condensing the entire span into about 1.5 years. It was great, especially since I had uh, recently bought a 3DS and my Wii U needed some good recommendations. So congrats and thanks for all the great content. I really look forward to the new shows every two weeks. Changing subjects. What would you think about doing a short worst of the year list? Maybe your bottom three. I had this idea after finishing Gorokoa, which I would not say is a bad game. I mean, I played and finished it, but what the heck did I just play? <laughs> I would I would put Severed on my list as well. Uh, again, not bad, but uh, I never need another literal slasher combat game. Thanks again and happy holidays, Chad in Nebraska. Damn, Chad just like dunking on some dunking of my favorite Dunking on a couple games. of Emmys and favorites yeah, right Yeah, yeah, gosh. Um... Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, <laughs> listening to all 10 years in one and a half years is definitely uh, a thing to do. That's, That's something that we would do in yes. terms of our as, podcast listening. That's what but, I yeah. did. Like, when, when I first got into podcasts, I listened to all of Radio Free Nintendo, oh, which at geez. that time was only about three or four years of podcasts, but I did all of them and got through the backlog. Um, but yeah, doing 10 years is quite a lot uh, all in one span. But I guess because we're every two weeks, it's uh, a little helps. bit less. That helps. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, still, it's still a lot of hours of audio <laughs> to go through. But I think it's interesting, though, because you do get, like, I mean, talking about decades time, right? You just get an entire generation of just changes and things and seeing what happened and how how things evolve and taste change over time all that sort of stuff so very interesting um yeah i this is an interesting thing like thinking about bad games and how do you talk about bad games and do you want to talk about bad games i think in recent years um i think this is definitely inspired by listening to uh, into the aether podcast i mentioned many times um it's a show that i really love because it is very much about positivity in a good way like they don't shy away from critiquing stuff and and things like that but they only bring games to the show if they 
enjoyed them and want to talk about them and like have something good to say um and there's i feel like there's a lot of cynicism in game podcasts and stuff like that right and uh there's a lot of people dunking on stuff and having hot takes and i don't know there's there's a point at which i eventually was like yeah i just don't I don't really feel like doing that anymore you know like i feel like there's a there's a negativity cycle to it um that is just not great and like on this show I, i'd rather bring stuff that or talk about stuff that i like and want to talk about and i'm passionate about and i think that leads to better conversations or interesting conversations that's not to say we shouldn't critique stuff because i think that's very important right like yeah if there is something out there that like i have issues with and i want to bring them up and i want to address them i think that's important but always contextualizing it within like not just dunking on something for the sake of it um and yeah i think that i think that just makes conversations a bit more valuable overall and um it's 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 why i think it's a bit more difficult to go back to older podcast episodes of like talk about the fucking mario galaxy and wind waker stuff it's just it's just a lot it's just a lot of just aggressiveness <laughs> that i'm like yeah, let's just probably should tone that down so yeah um yeah, i get I think, that um I, I'm not James Jones. I don't take any pleasure in playing a bad game. Um, uh-huh. I don't intend to play bad games. Whenever I play a game that arguably is bad, it is normally a game I've gone into with high hopes, high expectations, yes. and this has fallen flat. Mm. I don't think those games are bad games. They're just not games that live up to the potential that I was hoping they would. Right. Um, and I honestly think in an industry that is incredibly dominated by corporations and hey, we're a Nintendo podcast. We love talking about that corporation. No denying that. But in an industry where there are so few really big platforms for indie games to shine and to, you know, really have a big fuss made of them and actually say, hey, this is a game that has been made outside of traditional development circles and is made by like two people and it is fantastic and we need to talk about it. That's where the argument for hey we should talk about bad games i think falls flat on its head because right. every time every moment we're talking about a bad game could be a better moment where we're talking about the greatness of some indie game that we want to shine the light on that a lot of other podcasts or other streamers or whoever whoever aren't shining the light on and i mm-hmm. think that as much as we have praised nintendo and criticized nintendo quite rightly and i'm I'm much more happy to take a flying shot at a corporation than an indie game um i think we've also really tried to shine a light on top indie games that we love and want to uh want others to play and i think that that is we have a platform with this podcast and i think that talking about bad games on purpose as it were and like a Mm -hmm. worst of the i think that's a maybe a miss uh, not the best use of our platform i'd say mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, th- I think so and um i don't know there's there's a uh there's a curiosity sometimes with with games like that or even like if you're going back to something older and you want to just have a look at it and see what it's like um i think there's interesting interesting conversations to be had but there is a um feel like there's a if we were to go back and play the original legend of zelda i think it wouldn't be very interesting for us to just talk about all the things that have not aged well about it and are just bad exactly, yeah. and focus more on like well what was it doing for the time uh what why did people like it back then um and kind of recontextualize it in that way um to to make it work um and yeah usually if um if i'm not really into a game if i if i find i'm not having a good time with it I'll I'll usually just like abandon it. I'll uh, as they as they say DNF it, Bally, which uh, uh, you know I learned from the book community, but apparently is a thing that is in running and <laughs> stuff like that has been, has been around yeah. for ages. But as, I wouldn't learn it from uh, book people. But um, 
I, I think i feel like i do that more often now um so there are certain games that i've played that i i just won't bring to the show i just won't talk about them um because i don't feel like there's anything to add to the conversation and i think um just just saying i hate this thing is just i don't know i just doesn't feel yeah. uh great basically so no. um yeah i i think probably the the angle would be just just not focusing on that stuff i think there's a there's a comedy you can get sometimes from some of that stuff especially if like the game is like hilariously bad like i think that's kind of the james jones thing you're talking about where he like mm. he seeks out things that are funny because they are so bad right um, he genuinely I, gets pleasure in both the playing process yes. and the talking about yeah his playing process and i personally wouldn't enjoy either that much mm-hmm. um, yeah. not that i've necessarily tried it a ton but yeah i, I don't know it's just different taste yeah and i think um coming across I, I think like worst game of the year list is more like what is what is the thing i played this year that just didn't really resonate with me um mm. or the thing that i didn't kind of vibe like had issues that i just couldn't get over that i just didn't want to um you know like i mean i, I feel like sports story is an interesting example where we both really were excited for that game and wanted it to be great and then it was just like kind of just a, a disappointment in the end and yeah i guess we did we you know we kind of let that game have it in in a lot of ways which totally. um you know but i i feel like there's a there's a context to it as well and kind of like coming to it in a way that's um showing what our expectations were versus what was delivered and um and, and to some degree i would say there's like a warning aspect to it of like hey by the way don't don't spend your money on this thing because you might have been interested in it but actually it's probably uh not worth doing um yes so, i think yeah. it would be really weird if neither of us played sports story and then didn't talk about it on the show so mm-hmm. in that yeah. sense i think we are keeping in the interest of what we have loved in the past in golf story and then played the yeah. sequel that we were excited about day one and and shared our thoughts on that and yeah there was no definitely no malicious intent with mm-hmm. any of that and it was just an honest representation of um what we thought of that game and i think that falls more into the kind of almost reviewer category and what i mean by that is say you're working at a big website and you're given the game to review it is important that you are honest about your feelings with that game and i yeah. feel like in a, in, in a way sports story falls into that category where there are certain sequels to certain games that we love on this show like tears of the kingdom we have to play that game it's a nintendo game it's the sequel to the our favorite game of all time mm-hmm. we have done top 50 lists we have to play this game regardless of whether tears of the kingdom is great or awful we are going to be as honest as we can about that game and there are just certain games like that that we have to play on the show because it's in our interests both that we want to play the sequel but we also think a lot of listeners will be interested in what we think of the sequel and sports mm-hmm. story definitely falls into that category so yeah in that sense it's almost like a game that's come onto our desk that we have to review in a way in a yeah kind of yeah. like review website as close as we get to that kind of thing basically right yeah. right um, so yeah but yeah i i, I feel like not glamorize it but like having this almost like worst of the year uh kind of as a list i think it's interesting because it's the type of content that especially on platforms like youtube performs exceedingly well right mm. um back in the day uh like those kind of top 10 worst games of the year would often get more views than best game of the year um and i think that's just a 
because YouTube is built on a negativity cycle a lot of the times and controversy and they want people to get angry and that's why you know comment sections are the driver for all these things and you'll always get people disagreeing with people's opinions and stuff and driving hatred is so much easier uh than the opposite so i feel like that's what people kind of lean into so yeah i probably wouldn't um do that but um yeah it's an interesting thing to discuss to think about um and uh yeah appreciate the question on it but yeah, um thanks Brad. i think uh that is going to do us for this episode um bali we've got one more piece of business uh to attend to. you remembered i did yeah thank god uh, <laughs> for the first time <laughs> in a while uh we have to do what is called game trade uh, which we talked about at the start of the show um so Last year, Bally, uh, you gave me Metroid Prime, uh, and I gave you Sonic Mania, uh, and I finished Metroid Prime. Uh, you did not finish I had Sonic a Mania. Falling out with Sonic Mania. You had a falling out um, with Sonic Mania. This happened. So last time I played Sonic Mania, I gave my thoughts on the first seven zones, uh-huh. um, and then MBZ very wisely was like, yeah, "Just go to one of the earlier levels, grind for some lives, and you'll be fine." And I was like, "You know what?" that's a great idea i'm gonna just go mm-hmm. to a previous level i found this vid- little video on youtube showed me that i just need to go to the spot in this level and then i'm gonna get 99 lives and i'm just gonna play the rest of the game for some reason <laughs> in sonic mania <laughs> you cannot change the level you're on without starting a new game or going into like some what's it called like glitched out mode that you put the code in to get to like the this mode where you can select levels and players knuckles and it's all a bit glitchy and weird and i was just like i just want to play a sonic and so here's the thing i was on the water level i think it's zone seven mm-hmm. and there's time limits on you drowning which isn't fun and then i got to the boss of act one and the boss does multiple things i really disliked about sonic mania which was um yeah, so you can drown on top of the fact that you've there are like these walls that you can get squished by. Being squished in Sonic Mania is insta death, uh, and then on top of all that, it's got the live system, which means that you go back to you game over when you run out of lives. Obviously, yeah. so I was like, this this is not f- fair. Like, I I just mm-hmm. want to get my ninety nine lives. So I just like, I'm sorry, MBZ, I can't do this. I'm I'm quitting out Sonic Mania. I'm just yeah. having fun. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed a classic what I had with these DNF, levels. Uh, as we call it. Uh, the, the what? So, a classic DNF. A DNF. As we call it. Um, yeah. And now just talking about bad games. I'm uh-huh, ranting yeah. about a game here, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I just yeah, just wasn't for me. I I need mm-hmm. some live system, or I need some knack, or like I need a a modern mode that doesn't have lives, or just something like that. I just I just yeah. needed that for this type of game. Yeah. Uh, so. This time, uh, we're going to see if uh, if we can pick something different. Uh, and uh, Bali, do you have uh, do you have a game that you are going to give me? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure you've not played this game. Um, oh, okay. I think. Do you have you... a backup in case I have? I've got a backup. I've got, okay, I've got a couple right. of backups. Um, okay. But I even mentioned this game earlier in this call that we've now been in for two hours and forty one minutes. Okay. Um, uh. That game is Untitled Goose Game. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is one that has been, like, on a lot of lists back in the day when it came out and um, came out in 2020. Yes, yes. Um, And And yeah, I never got around to it. Game of the Year in the Dice Awards for 2021. Yes, yeah, which was very impressive. Um, 
yeah it's a game i've always been curious about but i think it's a good pick because it's one of those that i just never would have gotten around to you know um right. it's right. one that i would have like let sit on my backlog forever and maybe i would have remembered it in a sale at some point but um i probably wouldn't have uh gone out of my way to like pick it up and, and play it and um i think this was back in the day where like switch versions of games were quite good um yeah so it ran really well me and caroline bought this i think day one or close to and mm -hmm. we had a really fun time like playing this together on the couch and just like maybe try going there and maybe and you know it's just like it's a very charming puzzle game really and it's just it i really really like it and there's not many games i've played that are that much like it um uh, and it's also very quaint and very english is another thing it's like a very yeah. unique set there's like pubs and unique things and yeah it's 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 cute i like it yeah uh okay good i'm, I'm excited for that that'll be good that'll be Thanks. enjoyable also i think probably not too long either right it's like seven um, hours but okay that was a much right. better response than metroid prime got at yeah. this time last year <laughs> yeah well i don't know it's, it's ironic though right because i was like last year i was like i'll give valley something nice and easy sonic mania just a chill very easy game it turned out it was not that whereas you i were could like, get through that game i just no, didn't yeah. have a good time no no yeah game. totally it's uh, that kind of like yeah it's tough well yeah i i, I think also i played it a long time ago and i think this is one of these things with um doing this is i find it's less interesting to give you something where i'm like oh yeah i kind of enjoyed that back then i can't really remember much about it because i feel like it leads to more interesting conversation when it's a game that you have really enjoyed uh and mm. you want the other person to experience it goose game might have been my number seven game of the yeah. year from yeah you definitely really had a good time i with liked it, it, it was it was it was up there so um, i think that's super interesting so um so i'm going to change tack this time uh, i was like you know what i'm just going to lean into my bullshit all right uh, oh boy. we're gonna we're gonna try something because oh God. you know we're on the edge I'm we're, on the <laughs> we're on the precipice I'm so we just got to try something okay and you know it's just a bit of medicine and we'll see how it goes down okay so i was looking at a lot of things and i was like there's one that i really wanted to give you um I, but I, you need to fucking play the forgotten city it's so fucking good oh, the good problem chat. is it's not on switch it is it's on switch online cloud service oh, yeah, if yeah, the cloud yeah, service yeah, yeah. but i, I would just say download it on xbox and exactly i would say play on other yeah. but that, that's cheating so it's not okay. allowed um i was going to be like inscription but i, I was like bally's going to play that himself i didn't need to tell I, him to I, do will, that. I will he's going to do that um then i was like should we like both play golden sun but then like on this call even you're like i'm gonna do golden sun on my own uh and just unprompted <laughs> I so i was sun. like yeah yeah so um so i was looking okay bally um you know i there's a channel on discord called anime bullshit you know i know i and stay well clear <laughs> you stay well clear of it you know you know someday we have to indoctrinate you into some anime bullshit so i was looking through some anime bullshit and i was like man all these games are 20 hours long like there's no, there's no way to get around bad. it it's not, not too bad. bad it's not too bad so not there's bad. there's a few there's one that's 23 there's one that's 25 that's fine there's one that's 30 that's um, okay <laughs> the one i'm gonna give you is 25 that's okay um the one i'm going to give you because i think honestly this was like my introduction to anime bullshit in a lot of ways wow okay um, i'm gonna give you my praise the original danganronpa trigger happy oh Hulk. yeah um i've been mean i i have been meaning to jump on some of emmy's anime bullshit and uh -huh. for a while <laughs> yeah I, as you say a bit like on Tartar goose game for you i was never gonna get around to it no so you were yeah i'm prepared to take my medicine okay um, good i said the last time i was close to receiving this level of anime bullshit was maybe 
Phoenix Wright, but that's kind of a very yes, different yes. type. Um, but it's I had a great time with that game. I can't deny it. Yeah. So I'm yeah, totally. I'm really hyped to play this. Um, is this part of? This is the first game, right? This is so, the first game, yes. And you can um, buy that standalone on Switch? You can buy it standalone on Switch. Um, it's quite cheap. It's like 13 quid and goes on oh. sale for 5 quid very often. Ooh, okay, um, yeah. So, um, so some caveats here. Uh-oh. This game has aged quite poorly in a few areas. So I played it in 2015. Uh, let's say there is some problematic shit in terms of the writing and some of the representation in this game. Um, and... I think it's important to bring that up because you shouldn't gloss over it. Um, but I think we all have this with like favorite games where it's like, there's so many people who love Persona. Persona treats LGBTQ people very poorly. Like it's not good. Right. It's one of the most popular games in the world, but I think it's really important to acknowledge that and it can be people's favorites, but you should be aware of it. Um, so I do want to kind of say that going into it, that you will come across stuff and you'll be like, Really? Like, really, we're doing this? Um, well, I gave you Isun, so I, that's true. you can that's give me very this. true. That's, that's true. Yeah, I got, I got a heavy dose of sexism from, from that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, games have not aged well. And I think, you know, Danganronpa is modern enough to where, you know, but it's, you know, again, this unfortunately, this is what happens with Japanese games a lot of the time. Um, and I would say even back in 2015, when I first played it, it you know, the world's moved on a lot since even 2015. And it came out in... Oh, gosh. Uh probably like 20 i think it actually came out on psp originally and then there was a oh, beta wow. version so it was actually probably mid 2000s i would say maybe okay 2008 wow, that, well, or that... 10 or something like that times um, have changed since 2010 yeah totally so I, especially so, in japan i'm sure absolutely so i think just knowing that going in is important um and yeah just just making sure that uh that's that's out there because I, I do think it's important to call out how how terrible some of that stuff is but the, the problem is is like the rest of the game <laughs> this is the like the caveat part is like the rest of the mystery and the stuff is, is so good for me i love phoenix right i think phoenix right has excellent writing and like characters and music yeah i would say the mysteries and the storytelling in danganronpa is stronger than phoenix right and cool. that's the reason i like it is because it you will be like what's gonna happen you're like what is who killed this person and this the slow reveal of stuff is really good and um i'm very interested to see how you take to it because i i feel like there is there's gonna be lots of anime tropes in there and and of course anime bullshit a uh, heavy dose but That's okay i do think the characters are quite strong and the writing is very good um and there's a lot to get out of it i, I do think it has a really strong uh kind of narrative so, and just remind um, me danganronpa is a reference to the name of the game that they are playing uh no or dangan, will it all be revealed so, and you don't need to say anything so dang dangan romper is a portmanteau of two japanese words one that means truth and one that means bullet and oh yeah i remember yep you said yep. this before so yep. so the idea is that when you get into these class trials basically so um i, I think it's it's interesting because dangan romper is very much like it's playing on the hunger hunger game, game slash squid game kind of thing right, right. it is someone is murdered and then there's a trial about it to figure out who killed them uh, essentially and during these trials you have the way that you kind of interact with them is different to phoenix right where like statements will pop up and you have to basically do this like first person shooter thing where you aim your cursor at a statement like a set of words and you literally shoot a truth bullet at that statement so that's basically what dang and robert is literal truth bullet is part of the mechanics Um, and that's how you kind of counter uh people and, and figure stuff out so uh yeah that's that's kind Sweet. of a bit of a primer on it um again i'm very uh interested to see uh how it goes i'm, but, I'm excited uh, to play it yeah no. 
Yeah, good pick. Um, it's uh, it's one that I think will will breed interesting conversations uh, at the very least, which I think. Much as Sonic Mania is like, oh, it's a short game, I'll give him that. I don't think it it was like as interesting to talk about because I hadn't remembered that much about it and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, was, it did come out a long time ago. Um, yeah, 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 totally. Um, so you played Danganronpa in 2015. Yes, That's correct. Cool. Um, and I think that was around the time I started watching anime as well at, at that moment. So I think so that was the year. the moment the corruption started. Okay. That's when a cor- corruption started. So, in, <laughs> so 2024 is the year where my corruption of Bali begins. Uh, we'll see where we're at at Sweet. the end. But um, yeah, uh, let's see how it goes. Looking forward to it. Uh, all right. And I think that's going to do us for the regular parts of the show. Let's get on out of here with uh, some shout outs, some plugs, some things. Uh, so let's uh shout out bally where people can go and support the show if they would so like to uh, patreon.com slash this nintendo life where people can find bonus episodes and other such stuff we'd like to thank some patrons a bunch of people actually yes we have a couple of brand new patrons they are alex f and andrew Z. thank you so much for your support and uh ten dollar tier plus patron albert actually increased his pledge so thank you a whole lot albert that's really 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 appreciated um and i need to also shout out all the ten dollar tier plus patrons uh, they are zach s thomas matthew wicked, wicked gamer uk alan turtle ali t and as i said before albert um so thank you all for your ten dollar tier plus support and thank you to all of our other patrons we've had a nice little boost last few mm. weeks so thanks yeah. very much for that and if you haven't supported us don't feel obliged we've just got yeah. some bonus content over there we can support support us for as low as one dollar a month uh, and that'll get you a whole extra episode uh, every single month where we talk about lots of non-tendo things yeah. uh, we did our um, non-tendo predictions for 2024 very recently uh, so you can absolutely. head over there and check that out if you want in the uh, Ali T saga of uh, being a patron here, um, he did message us and uh, did did say like, "Well, you gotta gotta keep that quality up, guys. Otherwise, I might uh, disappear." So, uh, do you we'll, think he we'll... listens to all the bonus content? I don't think he listens to a single fucking thing that we say. So, how is he meant to judge the quality, Ali T? I know. If you yeah, don't exactly. Listen to it. No, I know. I, I know that he has a, fr- a colleague who listens to us at work, so maybe okay. he gets like secondhand information through his colleague who, like, he to- he told about the podcast and now listens to us. Um, so that might be the thing. We need to say something about Ali T here, just as a test, just like slander. If, like, basically. what's something we can say here <laughs> that would guarantee him to message us something like, "What? How could you say that?" I- Maybe we could think about this for next time. Yeah, but yeah. Ali this T, is... watch your back. We've mm-hmm. got watch this back, slot on man. the show now. The ongoing saga so... of Ali T giving us money for suspicious reasons continues. So yes. we'll continue yes. to track it as it goes. So we'll see. Um, lovely. Well, you can find us all across the internet in various places. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TNL Podcast to get updates about the show and what's happening. Find me at Lord NBZ. Where can they find you, Bally? I'm on Twitter at Ballyman91. That's B A L Y M A N 91. And and i joined blue sky oh wow um, fancy so yeah thanks again to friend of the show matt lorgan for sending over a blue sky code so i i've signed up to that and mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of people over there no but, there's, no, there's <laughs> not a lot of people um, i like its functionality so far i think it's a yeah. nice little website so if, if everything comes crashing down at some point i'm over there and i'm probably going to join the other ones at some point but yeah we'll time. see yeah absolutely we'll we'll figure it out um and uh yeah you can find the show in various places we're on spotify we're on stitcher you can download us via podcasting apps uh, and check us out and review us on those places as well be muchly appreciated um 
But that is going to do us uh, for this episode. So thank you so much for listening. Um, and uh, gosh, next episode is going to be fun, Bally, because Prince of Persia is oh. coming out. Oh, baby. I'm so excited. It oh. is. We've had the year of Bally. This is an NBZ ass NBZ. This is a fucking, this is NBZ core, as they would say, <laughs> yeah. like bait in a way. Um, yeah, like I play, we didn't talk about the demo, but I play that demo it's the best feeling thing since metroid dread and that's a fucking compliment like holy shit it moves baby it really does silk song so. you've waited too long you've missed your window yep, you've like missed Prince it silk song. Come to steal the, the limelight you're gonna get dunked on um so yeah very much looking forward to that we'll be going in depth on it next time on the show um but uh, until then thank you so much for listening we'll see you soon bye-bye folks interlude used on today's show was elite encounter from sea of stars copyright sabotage studio 2023